This morning we look at the, the, the teaching of the blessing of elders. And I think as I look in society, I look at humanity, and I think about myself, we are seeking leadership in some way or some form. I remember as a young boy growing up, always looking up to older men. I want to be like that. I've always found some older man. I, if it wasn't my dad, of course, it was my grandfather. And his faith passed down to me, and I keep his Bible in my study, and I think about him a lot. I think about other men. I think about other ministers who have influenced me, elders, those who spent time with me, that I look to their leadership. I look to their example and as they act as servants. I do that now. I look to men within the body and within the congregation, and I look to them, whether they realize it or not, and I look to their example and who they are and, and what they, they do. And I hope that we do that. I hope we know that need. And and I hope that I'm not going too far in saying that as a man and growing up, I needed that. I needed that example. And the Bible teaches us that, that elders are examples, examples to the flock. That's their job. That's what Christ has spoken through Peter as the Holy Spirit was guiding him in 1 Peter chapter 5, that we need those men, those elders who are shepherds. They are the true pastors of the church and of the flock. And we need to be looking to them. So as the world looks for leadership, and you find that, you, you, you go on and you look at the news and you see the politicians and you see how they fail in their words and the things that they say. They don't hold up to that standard of holiness. And sometimes there are certain men in our life who failed and yet they've repented. And that still has a, that has a huge impact on us. And if, if we would see that, we see the imperfections and and those around us, and, and yet their, their uh, example to change their life and follow Christ, that's the kind of leadership that we need. And I believe that God has put that within us. We need those examples and that kind of leadership. A few uh, Sundays ago, I think it was two weeks ago now, that we talked about leadership, and we went to Mark chapter 10, and we looked at what Christ said about leadership. And he says, I don't want you to lead like the like the rulers of the Gentiles who lord over and exercise dominion over them. I want you to lead by your example and that you lead in service. He says, if you're going to be great, you must serve one another. And we see that within Christ and we see it within the, the church and as he's established and organized it. One of the verses that strikes home to me about the importance of elders is right here. Acts chapter 20, 28 to 31. Acts 20. 28 to 31. Look with me here. From the ESV. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Let me give you a little bit more context before I go further. Paul has called down the elders from Ephesus and he's met with them in Miletus. Doesn't think that he's going to be able to see them again. And he says, this is what I want you to know. Pay careful attention to yourselves. So elders are to be caring for themselves and as far as who they are spiritually. And he says, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Notice this, these elders who were appointed, and if you go back to Acts chapter 14, when Paul has finished his first missionary journey, it's only been about three years, he goes back through those cities there in Galatia, and he appoints elders. Now who's guiding him? How is that happening? How is the Holy Spirit having an appoint, a part in appointing them? Well, the Holy Spirit has given God's word, the instruction, the qualifications, for those men. And here in Acts chapter 20, we see that the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. 
made you to oversee the, the church. And then he emphasizes how important it is. He says to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. How did God obtain the church with his blood? We know that through Christ, through his death. And he's bought us and cleansed us by his blood. And you have Paul emphasizing to the elders here, the church that you care over, Christ has given his blood for. I can't think of a more valuable substance in all of history and humanity of which a group of people are possessed by their creator by the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. There is nothing more valuable than that. And that's what Paul emphasizes. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul reminds them, you remember when I taught, I was there, I was in the school of Tyrannus, I taught there in Ephesus, and you heard me speak, and I did it with tears, that nobody would lead astray, that nobody would teach twisted things, that even those among you, among the disciples, and the way that it's phrased here, I've, I've often thought that it was saying, among the elders themselves, there are going to come those who are wanting to draw disciples after themselves and will teach things that are wrong. And in this encouragement here, I hope you find and see how important it is for us to have elders. Strong elders who stand by the doctrine and by God's word are not willing to compromise it. Very powerful scripture there. When we see God's word, we see the Holy Spirit has put them in place. Elders have a very vital and serious role as the pastors, the shepherds, protecting the flock from the wolves. Throughout the New Testament, in every, almost every New Testament book, you have a warning of false teaching and error. Don't go off into that. Stay true to Christ. Stay true to God's Word. And so we need these leaders today. We need these men. And the reason that we are bringing this up today is I know that there are some changes that are likely to occur within our eldership in the coming years um, or even more recent. Uh, and I'm going to leave that to the leadership to address that further. But we do need to be thinking about this. We need to be studying about it and realizing what we need as the church of Christ. We need qualified elders who can lead. And we see here what the elders are. Elders, presbyters, meaning they are older. They are mature. They are the leaders that we read about in Hebrews chapter 13. They are overseers and guiding the flock. They are pastoring the church, and we need that. We've seen as well as the emphasis in Acts chapter 20 is on Christ and what he has bought the church with his own blood, that Christ is the head of the church. He leads the church by his word. But he has also put in place certain men to help do that. Men who can stay true to the word, who are able to teach and give instruction to rebuke anybody who speaks contrary to God's word. That is their job and their role. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But Jesus sent his spirit. We see here Christ being the head. He sent his spirit to reveal all truth to the apostles. And as we read through the scriptures, we see here, even beginning as early in Acts chapter 11 and verse 30, the church had elders, men guiding them. In Acts chapter 14, we see elders being set up in every congregation. Acts 14 and verse 23. Very, very early in the church, the need was here. 
And when you go back and you look at the Old Testament, you see the need of elders within the cities. Um, men who served even over all of Israel. Israel needed 70 of them. And it says there in Deuteronomy chapter 1 that they were to elect and select their own elders and leaders. In Latin, the word for elder is senatus. That's where we get the word for senator. The idea of a group of leaders. And so it is something that is within Israel's background and history and something throughout the world that those people have recognized. And I think that most of the world have been influenced because of, um, because of God and how he has appointed leadership throughout time. And so the church needs these elders. Holy Spirit has made them. He has appointed them. He has set them in place, as we've seen this morning. We want to look at a little bit further about that. I want to note this. When you read Titus 1 and verse 5, and I like the New King James a little bit better here, and it captures what is very apparent in the Greek text. But this, I believe, is the English standard here. Yes, it is. It says this. This is why I left you in Crete. So Paul's telling Titus, I left you in Crete for this purpose. That you might put what remained into order. Something was lacking, it says in New King James. What is lacking? Put it into order. What was lacking in the church? And he says, and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. A, a, a congregation without elders is lacking we need elders if you've ever been in a congregation without elders you know some of the struggles and the heartaches that can come about without having elders i've experienced it when i was over in jacksonville i was blessed to be brought in by elders to have different elders change and i know what it's like to change and and to get along with with new elders and at one point one of our elders passed away and another elder his wife passed away and he stepped down. And we had no elders for about two years. And the first year, we got along pretty well. Things were quite peaceful. Things were, were moving along. They weren't, we couldn't make the big decisions that we needed elders to make big decisions. But things went well. But in the second year, every problem that as a minister that I, wouldn't, I would want elders to face and I would not personally want to deal with, especially when I was in my early 30s, they came up. Um, multiple things, controversies within the church as far from doctrine to even sexual sin came up. Things that I just thought, there, there's no way that I could handle this in my, my wisdom. And I did the best that I could, and it was a hard time to struggle with. But when I went through that, it was, I was thinking, God, you're teaching me an important message. I need elders. We need elders and I thank God for them. And I hope that we are praying and realize how much a blessing it is to have men leading in that way. So Paul wrote, he also says to Timothy, he says, I want you to put in order. I want to show you how to conduct yourself in the church of God. And he teaches him in 1 Timothy 4 about being a minister. But in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he says, these, these are the qualifications for elders and for deacons and for their wives. And we're going to look at that this morning. So both Timothy and Titus stands out to me as ministers were responsible for appointing elders. Paul did it in Acts chapter 14. And you often see the ministers are the ones who are responsible and engaging in this. And I don't think it's just their job. But when we open the Bible, we do see that Paul putting it on Timothy. Here are the qualifications. Make sure it gets done. Titus, here are the qualifications. Make sure that the men meet these qualifications. 
They were responsible for that. What's the work of elders in the church? And there's different ways I've seen that others have broken this down. But this is what I see in the text. We see right here in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5, just as they are to manage and look over their family, they are to do that with the congregation. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 5. They are, as it says in Titus, to hold forth to God's word and to confront false teaching and error. We've seen that in Acts chapter 20. They are to pastor the congregation by setting an example. 1 Peter chapter 5, we've noted that already as well. They are to equip the church for ministry. And I, and I know that this is a very troublesome thing among most churches. When many in the congregation are saying, I do not feel equipped and capable of doing what I need to do. Yes, I'm in the assembly. Yes, I go to Bible class. Yes, I read my Bible. But when it comes to ministry, I need help. And elders don't, are not the only one to have this role. It says the evangelist as well, the teachers as well, share that with them to equip the church for ministry. We see this, that they were to oversee funds and the distribution for benevolence. In Acts chapter 11, the funds that were given to help those in distress and disaster relief was sent to the elders there in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 11 and verse 30. And then we see passages as well that of, of visitation and, and prayer. And in James, you have the passage there, if anyone is sick, that they are to call the elders. And I would emphasize this. And, and as a minister, I can sympathize, is that sometimes someone will get sick in the congregation. If you don't know about it, you're still held accountable sometimes for not being there or not making the call or not sending the cards. But I encourage you, if you are sick and you need prayers, it is your job first to call the elders and let them know, we want you to come, please come and pray. Pray with the one in my family, pray with me and encourage me. And I've done that myself. I know there's a time when I didn't know how my health was being affected and I felt kind of shook up by it. And I went and sat down with the elders. I said, please pray for me. And they prayed for me right then. We held hands. And I very much appreciate that eldership for what they did and the love they shown. But these are the responsibilities, the works of the elders I see in Scripture. If I'm missing something here, please let me know. But it's kind of my summary of what I observe and I can see within the text. The man who desires, it also says if you're going to be an elder, you desire to be an elder. He needs to know what his responsibilities are. He needs to know what he's about to be doing and what, he's, what his actions should be. And we need to know not to put too much on our elders. The Bible tells us that we are to act in such a way with our leaders that they are not overly burdened or stressed. Now, I, I'm not going to go through every detail of the qualifications of elders this morning, but I encourage you, you have your Bible, Open up the first Timothy chapter three, and it's already been read this morning from Titus chapter one. We want to read those uh, passages and observe what the qualifications of elders are to, to look at that again. And I'm going to open right now. Let's read together first Timothy chapter three. And let's look at verses one through seven. First Timothy chapter three. So Paul says this. It says this, uh, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer. Now in Greek, it just simply says if they aspire or desire to be an overseer. Word office not being there. He says he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, 
able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children subordinate or submissive. Verse 5, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, and he, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. You know, I think about that, and especially that, that last passage of not being a new convert or being a novice. And the men who were selected in Galatia only after three years of churches being established there. I imagine those men were probably had a background, might have already been elders within the synagogue, and they were converted. Men who were wise, who were already leaders. They knew the scriptures and were able to step into the role and the responsibility that they had before them. Anyways, I, I think of that passage, and I think about Acts uh, chapter 14, because it does help to put in perspective on that. But look at a few other things here. As noted, church elders are to be elder, older, mature. I don't fit that, that qualification, not quite yet. Um, waiting for my children to get older when they are faithful and baptized, I will think more in that way. I know that in the ancient world, you weren't considered to be elder unless you were over the age of 40. Or you were elderly, someone might take it from 1 Timothy chapter 5, being over the age of 60. And I think uh, we know that when it comes to the Bible, that the Bible doesn't distinguish, doesn't uh, line up when and what the right age of an elder is. And so we have to make that decision on our own. Um, must desire the position necessary. He is to be blameless. In other words, there's not multiple accusations uh, alleged against him. That those in the community or those in the congregation are not saying, well, okay, we've known this man, he's done this and this wrong, and he's never repented of them. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 19, he, Paul tells Timothy, don't receive an allegation against an elder unless by two or more witnesses. In fact, brethren, I would say, don't listen to hearsay, don't listen to gossip or anything unless you know that there are witnesses. And then it needs to go through the proper process, go to the leadership of the congregation to address a matter of an open sin. Or you need to go through the process of Matthew 18 of a personal offense. We don't need to be spreading those things around and spreading things around um, that become slanderous even. Accusations that have uh, no real support behind them. So the man must not have any multiple accusations against him. He is to be the husband of one wife. And I've read some books, even one within our brotherhood, that says a one-man woman. They'll say, that's, you could translate it that way. Uh, I read a quite a bit of Greek, and I specialized in it in my graduate work. That is not the meaning of it. It really does say in Greek, the husband of a one wife. That is what the text says. Uh, so it's not simply saying, well, this man seems like a good man, and if he was married, he would have one wife, and it says in the present he is the husband of one wife. We see this. He presides. He says in the scripture he manages. The word is that he presides. He stands before his family, his household. He's able to pray before them and actually lead them. And we need men like that. And then his children are to be subordinate to him. A lot of times the big question is here, does that mean they're adult, his adult children? 
What do you do with that? Um, what do you do when you go over to Titus and it says that his children are to have faith, as it says in Greek? How do we address that? First of all, let me say this. The word for children here is the word technoi. It's not paideia, meaning little children. It, mean, it would include all their children. And specifically in 1 Timothy 3, it's speaking of his children within his household, within his home, that they are subordinate to him and that they listen to him. And someone might say, well, what about a man with many children? I think, and I've heard some brethren who say, all of his children need to be faithful, even when they moved out of the house. They must be faithful. And I have some concern about that to a certain extent. If we imagine a man, and we are presented a scenario of a man having 10 or even 12 children, and he raises them up in the church and he teaches them, and 11 of those 12 are faithful and one isn't, well, does that mean that he is a a bad leader or that he would not be qualified or that will we say that his children are not faithful no certainly not and i present it that way because i think about jesus and leading his disciples he had 12 of them and yet one betrayed him and went astray i hope that you'll consider that and think about that in the end i just don't believe in dividing a church over splitting hairs on some of these matters I'll study them more, and if you know more about this and you're able to, to, to refer me to more in, instruction on it, I'm willing to listen. This is what the Scripture says. We also see within the text it talks about their wives. Their wives likewise are to be dignified. They are not to be slanderers, but sober-minded and faithful in all things. And what stands out to me here is the statement, faithful in all things. And the elders of wives and deacons are to be faithful in all things. They're to be sober-minded. They're not to be given to wine or any kind of alcohol. Dignified, respectful, and they are certainly not to be gossipers and slanders within the church. And very briefly here, look at Titus 1 again. His children are to have faith. We've commented on that already. Uh, in Titus 1, verses 5 through 9, no accusation of children for debauchery or undiscipline. Again, he is to be managing his household. I imagine if a man who is an elder, and I've seen this before, Within his own household, if that child becomes disruptive and they live a wild life, that's just going to draw his, his attention away from the church. He needs to focus on his family and his household. And then thirdly, he needs to be able to encourage by sound doctrine and reprove those who speak in contradiction. And I look to the elders to do that. I looked at them to do that, and they need to be able to do that, and they must be able to say, I know God's word, I know how to rightly handle the scriptures, and when I don't know the answer, I know where to go, what to study. We need to look for that in our leadership. God has provided qualifications for men to oversee his church. And so I encourage you, brethren, thank God for it. I thank God that these things are in the Bible, that we have this kind of leadership, that we're just not simply saying, okay, you get together with believers, here's the book, figure it out need that and therefore this morning i encourage you esteem your elders we're going to look at a passage in a moment where it says to remember your elders in hebrews or remember your leaders the greek word has the idea not just to remember them but to esteem them hold them in great honor and respect and then we need to obey them and follow their example here we go right here hebrews 13 and verse 7 remember your leaders esteem your leaders those who spoke to you the word of god Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Follow their example. 
Hebrews 13 and verse 17, Obey your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. What a great responsibility. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I hope you feel that way. I love it when the elders that I serve with can do it with joy and not with groaning. I know a lot of elders. I, don't, I can't think of any who haven't had grown in difficulties in their role and in their work. Let them do it with joy and not with groaning. Or what would it be, be for that would be of no advantage to you? So again, rather than this morning, I hope we see what the Bible, what the scriptures say about elders. What the, the, these passages here, how blessed we are as the church of Christ. This very much sets us apart from most churches in, in the denominational world today. That we stand by how the Bible teaches us to behave and how the church is to be organized And we see the great foreknowledge and care and love of God to provide this organization structure for us. And we need to rejoice in that. This morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, we encourage you to do that. Believers are forgiven in baptism. And the Bible says that when you're baptized, you're also added to the church of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. We see that in Acts chapter 2 where Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, if you haven't put on Christ in baptism, you're not a Christian, you're not saved, and you're not in the church yet. We encourage you to do that. If you need prayers, encouragement this morning, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing.